0: What the worker shortage means for supply chains, railroad safety one year after East Palestine, and versatile AMRs are coming to a distribution center near you. Pull up a chair and join us as the editors of DC Velocity discuss these stories, as well as news and supply chain trends on this week's Logistics Matters podcast. Hi, I'm Dave Maloney. I'm the group editorial director at DC Velocity. Welcome. Welcome. And as someone who lives in Western Pennsylvania, I wish you a happy Groundhog's Day. Looks like Punxsutawney Phil came through with us with an early spring. Logistics Matters is sponsored by Aptian. Aptian is a global provider of mission-critical, industry-specific logistics and transportation management solutions. Aptian Proof of Delivery provides advanced transportation systems to world-leading brands, helping to transform final mile delivery services boost operational efficiencies, and drive business growth. Your delivery operation can be a powerful vehicle to deliver game-changing customer service. Visit aptian.com and discover what's next now. As usual, our DC Velocity senior editors, Ben Ames and Victoria Kickham, will be along to provide their insights into the top stories of this week. But to begin today, Unemployment rates in the United States continue to be under 4%, currently at 3.7%, which further demonstrates the growing strength of the overall economy. However, one thing that may stifle growth is the difficulty of finding good workers with so few people looking for jobs. Logistics technology company Descartes has just completed a study. It's called How Bad is the Supply Chain and Logistics Workforce Challenge? Here to talk about that research, we welcome back Descartes' Executive Vice President of Industry, Chris Jones. Chris, for those not familiar with Descartes, can you briefly describe what your company does in the supply chain and your role there?
1: Uh, Sure. Uh, So uh, Descartes is a global logistics and supply chain technology company. We we actually do a wide uh, array of things for um, shippers and the logistics community. Uh, it varies from global logistics. Think of tracking air and ocean shipments to um, what we call, uh, you know, customs filings, security filings. These days you have to get clearance to move them to uh, uh, systems for transportation management, um, uh, real time visibility systems and uh, quite a bit of other things there. Uh, I, I just kind of leave it with the all the way through the final mile. And if you think about uh, home delivery, last mile logistics uh, for managing fleets and couriers and so forth, um, so it's quite a array of things. Uh, my role is really focusing on uh, best practices and helping to educate the market. Uh, we have customers doing phenomenal things, and we think that there's opportunities out there. Uh, for others to learn, you know, and that's not just about the technology, it's really about the strategies and tactics.
0: Great. Thank you. Um, and of course, as I mentioned, Descartes just completed a study on supply chain workforce shortages, a study called, How Bad is the Supply Chain and Logistics Workforce Challenge? What were you hoping to accomplish with this research?
1: Well, the uh, labor issue really kind of uh, raised its ugly head in terms of, uh, uh, just lack of resources through the pandemic, and and uh, there was an assumption that this would change uh, coming out of the pandemic, and and uh, we wanted to gauge whether that was happening or not. Our, our our assumption was that it wasn't based on what we were hearing, but we wanted to get a view. And not only did we want to know, uh, if if you will, like is this happening, but you know how is it impacting companies?
0: And what were some of the major findings, uh, particularly as it related to the transportation sectors?
1: Well, I, I think a couple of key things, uh, over 70% of the respondents said they were experiencing some kind of issue. 37% of the respondents said it was a, a really big deal for them. Uh, you know, transportation is, um, uh, you know, it's so labor intensive, right, if you think about it. Uh, um, and so uh, not having access uh, to the resources you need means, uh, you know, your your business performance is going to get hit.
0: And according to your research, one of the things that people have difficulty with is finding skilled and knowledgeable workers for their supply chains. Is this simply due to a lack of good training or is there more behind some of these concerns with finding good, knowledgeable workers?
1: Well, uh, you know, data has become such a big part of supply chains and logistics and just the the, I'll call it the natural course of business these days and using things like GPS uh, tracking technologies you know, across all the modes, uh, having, for instance, sophisticated drivers apps that can give you statuses of the delivery, so not just where they are, but what they're doing and so forth. This is, you know, billions and trillions uh, uh, points of data that really can help businesses uh, uh, determine how they're doing, you know, handle disruptions, uh, improve performance and, and so forth. That data needs to be analyzed, right? Um, and that's where you really need knowledge workers and so this has exploded, and the technologies have matured considerably in this space. So now there's a recognition that you know, think of it, that the moving the goods is important, and the information related to the moving movement of those goods is also important, and you need people for that. So uh, it's you know, I would just say the demand side of the equation has just outstripped uh, the market's ability to uh, source it.
0: And so as a result of that. In what ways is company performance being affected and also customer service
1: that they give to their clients? Well, uh, that was one of the clear findings. Um, you know, there's a cu- couple ways to look at this. Uh, if you don't have uh, enough people, uh, a couple things are going to happen. You're, as an example, you're just not going to be able to fulfill orders uh, that you might have uh, for customers fast enough. Um, you, uh, in this case also, there's been a huge issue with, I'll call it quality of workforce. Um, so, uh, a ex- lot more execution issues out there. Um, it's really, uh, been quite a challenge, uh, versus maybe where we were in the past. Um, so, you know, as we think of things like peak seasons, uh, that was, a, that was, has become a now a much bigger issue for, for, uh, supply chain organizations to bring into talent, uh, and what I call higher quality talent, right? So definitely overall performance uh, as well as uh, just uh, you know how customers see uh, that uh, I'll call it that degradation.
0: So looking at what your research revealed what strategies should companies and I guess shippers in particular adopt as a result of trying to manage these workforce shortages?
1: Yeah so, so David I, I say the you know just as an analogy right you think about the you know home buying there's Buyers and sellers, and people talk about sometimes it's the buyers' market sometimes it's the sellers' market. Well, uh, for the longest time, it was a, a seller's market in terms of labor, and, that, and what I mean by that is is shippers. And the, the general attitude had been out there that the labor pool is somewhat infinite, and they could get people. So hiring and firing, uh, you know, having getting temporary workforces, uh, all this kind of stuff went on. Uh, with this whole notion of, of uh, you know, unconstrained capacity. That's flipped. Um, and so now it's, it's, a, it's a buyer's uh, market. So in this case, um, uh, it's now the labor workforce. It's, there's more jobs than there are people. People need to understand that, right? So you gotta be, you know, think of being employer of choice. Uh, think of things like uh, automation, both hard and soft automation. How do you make your people more productive? And as we were talking about with skilled workers, how do we take particularly knowledge workers and make sure that the majority of their time is spent on high value knowledge work, not on lower value things like organizing and, you know, assembling data and running reports and so forth. So this whole notion of productivity is going to be huge uh, ongoing. That makes a lot of
0: sense and just shows that. being able to have the right kind of tools is so important these days. We've been talking to Chris Jones. He's the Executive Vice President of Industry for Descartes. Chris, thanks again for joining us on Logistics Matters.
1: Okay, well, thank you, David. I appreciate it.
0: Now let's take a look at some of the other supply chain news from the week. And Ben, it's been almost a year since that terrible railroad accident in East Palestine, Ohio. And ever since then, the industry and Congress and safety agencies have been haggling over how to make trains safer to prevent such future accidents. You've been following this issue since the East Palestine derailment. What's the latest?
2: Yeah, that's right, Dave. And as we record this on Friday morning, uh, tomorrow will mark a year since that Norfolk Southern freight train derailed near East Palestine. Uh, Of course, the resulting crash and then there was a fire uh, led to a chemical spill and that contaminated soil and water, uh, led to the evacuation of some local neighborhoods. So as we remember that incident, uh, like you say, it's, uh, it's, it was the time uh, in, in the weeks that followed and, and still today about uh, what sort of changes need to be made. Uh, and the answer depends on whom you ask. So the Association of American Railroads, it's a trade group, says that its member companies, the, the big rail guys, have made many voluntary changes to their operating standards already. Uh, they gave examples like increasing the frequency of hot bearing detectors along their rails. Uh, according to some of the analyses, some of the bearings had overheated in the wheels of the freight train. Uh, that might have been what contributed to the original derailment. Um, also, the AAR said that they had you know, established new industry standards for when to stop and inspect trains, when those detectors find hot temperatures. Uh, They've also trained first responders along routes about how to respond to chemical spills or hazmats. Uh, They also have increased the number of first responders who can access. There's an online database that gives them real-time information on rail car contents. Uh, And also, uh, just last week, they had um, supplemented uh, the confidential reporting program that uh, they had joined the Federal Railroad Administration's program that allows rail workers to report unsafe conditions without fear of being fired. So it's kind of a whistleblower protection law. Uh, so they had they, uh, joined that one just last week.
0: But those all sound like some pretty smart changes, but have they actually helped to reduce rail accidents?
2: Uh, well, you know, not if you ask EverStream Analytics. Uh, EverStream is a supply chain analysis and risk management firm. And they say that the five class one freight railroads operating in the US, that would be Union Pacific, BNSF, CSX, Norfolk Southern, and Canadian National, those five had reported um, a little more than 250 accidents on their main lines from last year through October. And that was about 11% up from the same period the year before uh you know total number of derailments was up a little more uh, about 13 percent uh total number of obstruction accidents that's when a train strikes an object up a little more about 20 percent uh so everstream says that that's because trains are increasingly running faster longer trains and carrying more cargo than ever before and that tends to make them more susceptible to accidents Uh, So EverStream actually called out the Association of American Railroads for their actions in blocking, so far at least, the proposed congressional regulatory bill, that's called the Railway Safety Act, that had immediately followed the East Palestine derailment. Uh, But that bill is currently stuck in a subcommittee. You know, in response, the AAR says that its actions work better if they're voluntary than mandatory, but EverStream says the numbers tell a different story.
0: Right. And I guess it's, it's not too often that companies volunteer to do something that is not directly related to their own interests. So this may take some correctional action from Congress.
2: Yeah, perhaps so. Uh, better safety would uh, you know, it'd be, be better for all involved. Thank you, Ben. Glad to. And Victoria, you've been researching new
0: flexible robotic technologies for our February cover story in DC Velocity. What's the article about?
3: Well, Dave, yeah, yes, that's right, It's and it's about AMRs, or Autonomous Mobile Robots. We cover warehouse automation and robotics quite frequently in the magazine, but for our February issue, I wanted to look at how AMRs, in particular, are reshaping the warehouse landscape and even influencing how work is done in other industries. So I spoke to a couple of robotics companies and learned of some interesting projects that are producing you know, some pretty big results in terms of enhanced productivity, labor reduction, and even Sustainability efforts.
0: And what did you learn in your research?
3: Well, I focused on two projects, and one was between robotics company Geek Plus and third-party logistics services provider, or 3PL, uh, UPS supply chain. Um, In a nutshell, they've rolled out a goods-to-person AMR solution across several of the 3PL's locations, and they started with a pilot project that's serving UPS supply chain's customer Allbirds, which is a San Francisco-based footwear and apparel company. During the pilot, the partners focused on developing a protocol that would allow them to then quickly roll out the AMR solution to other facilities in the network. And they started in 2022 and now, or as of my finishing the story uh, a few weeks ago, have they have AMR-based solutions running in six locations. So they rolled those out pretty quickly. The other project detailed in the story is between Zebra Technologies and a sustainable farming startup called Hippo Harvest. They grow lettuce in greenhouses using a variety of energy and labor saving techniques. And it's all designed to bring fresh uh, locally grown produce closer to the consumer. Hippo Harvest is using Zebra's AMRs in much the same way that a fulfillment center or DC does. Uh, They transport uh, trays of plants, the plants are grown in these big trays, uh, throughout the greenhouse, moving them to different stations as needed and for harvesting. So they look like the same little, you know, Roomba-like AMRs with a scissor lift and they suction to the bottom of the the tray of plants and move them around. Uh, They also use the AMRs in other ways though. Uh, They use them for watering and feeding the plants, for example, and even for doing routine maintenance in the facility um, in talking to, the leaders at Hippo Harvest, they said the uh, the robots even vacuum and things like that. They're always finding new applications, just like we see in warehouses in D.C.'s. It was interesting too to note that um, the leaders at Hippo Harvest had had seen how successful AMRs have been in warehouses. This warehousing and logistics is really, as we know, kind of you know gone through the ch- off the charts with how we're uh, applying. Uh, these these kind of robots. So they figured that they could adapt them to their greenhouses, and they have. Both projects include some pretty impressive um, uh, metrics, improvement metrics and benefits. Those are detailed in the story. Um, and again, listeners can find it in this month's print issue as well as online.
0: We look forward to seeing that. I know that AMRs have certainly impacted our industry with their flexibility and scalability. And I think as the technology continues to grow and improve, we'll see a lot more use cases for them. Absolutely. Thank you, Victoria. You're welcome. We encourage listeners to go to dcvelocity.com for more on these and other supply chain stories. Also, check out the podcast notes section for some direct links to read more about the topics that we discussed today. And we'd like to thank Chris Jones at Descartes for being our guest. We welcome your comments on this topic and our other stories. You can email us at podcast at agilebme.com. We also encourage you to subscribe to Logistics Matters. at your favorite podcast platform. Our new episodes are uploaded on Fridays. And a reminder that Logistics Matters is sponsored by Aptian. Forged from decades of industry experience, Aptian Proof of Delivery supports global delivery fulfillment operations with the tools they need to increase efficiencies, gain real-time visibility, automate communications, and enhance the delivery experience for customers. Your delivery operation can be a powerful vehicle to deliver game-changing customer service, reduce cost, and drive growth. Aptian Proof of Delivery can help. Visit aptian.com and discover how now. We'll be back again next week with another edition of Logistics Matters. Be sure to join us. Until then, have a great week.